What is going on? Welcome to the show. Pete Callender here. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Happy Tuesday. Programming note, third hour of the program at 2 p.m. We'll have uh, Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson on the program for a half hour. Should be uh, fun. Always good to talk with him. And uh, he's got a book. He actually has a book now. He's written more books than I have. My dad always wanted me to write a book. (laughs) I was like, I don't... There's nothing left in the well of creativity at the end of the day. I spent the whole day, you know, reading stuff and making notes and writing stuff, and I'm just, uh, I'm just spent. But uh, so we're talk uh, talk about his book. We are the majority, and uh, again, that's at two o'clock. Uh, in about half hour, I'm going to have Mark Garrison back in, and uh, we're going to talk about what happened at the city council uh, last night. The Charlotte City Council uh, got an update from the police chief about several things: crime. Uh, but also uh, the new uh, public information policy and uh, the you know the stiff arm the media policy. I've got a bunch of audio from that as well. First, though, I'm seeing, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because I recognize it for what it is. If it even happens, Lindsey Graham is apparently floating an idea to put a, a a national or yeah put a bill up for a national limit on abortions. At, I think, 20 weeks or 21 weeks, something like that. I think it's 20 weeks. And the left is in full meltdown mode because they're like, they always wanted to ban it nationwide. See that? Which is interesting. Okay, first off, remember, the Republicans don't have enough power in the Senate to get that passed. Or in the House, for that matter. They have an absolute minority in the House. So it's not like they're going to be able to get it through the legislature. I know I'm being a little old-fashioned here in suggesting that laws emanate from the legislative branch and not the executive king branch, but uh, that's just me. I'm old school like that. So uh, it's not going to pass in either chamber. So why would he su- why would he suggest this? It puts Democrats on the record. And I suspect that's what they're really upset about. I suspect they don't want they, they don't want to talk numbers. It's the same sort of dynamic that happens with teacher pay. Have you ever noticed that? Whenever you start having a discussion with somebody about teacher pay or uh, the per pupil expenditure number, and people just say we need to spend more money on education, aren't the children worth it? Or we need to give all the teachers pay raises. Right. One of the most clarifying follow ups you can ask in these discussions is how much, what is the optimal number? Tell me what the optimal per pupil expenditure number is. What does it cost to educate a kid in K-12 schools per kid per year? And see what they say. Most people have no idea what it costs, let alone what we're actually spending. Same thing with teacher pay. What's the, tell me, what is the optimal average teacher pay? And ask them for a number. And a lot of people don't know the number for their state, let alone uh, what the national averages are. Same thing here on this abortion idea. What week do you want to set the limit at? Again, the bill's not going to pass. Democrats are going to oppose it. Will any single Democrat, will any reporter ask Sherry Beasley? I got a message today from a friend who was asking, hey, what about Sherry Beasley? Where, what? What week would she be okay putting a limit on? Because remember, the party that is now outraged at 
Republicans' mere suggestion that, hey, you know what, we should do a national limit on when abortions are legal, which, by the way, I would oppose that because my position on the abortion debate has been from the beginning, the federal courts never should have decided this. Now, if the legislature wants to try to get involved in it at the national level, I still don't think that that's appropriate because I would submit that that's a state issue. I'm a state's rights kind of a guy, you know, but I understand it. I I can be persuaded if they're going to say, well, there's some sort of, you know, uh, a constitutional right to life and it begins at a certain period and you want to tie that into a constitutional right of some kind. I don't know. I, I, I haven't seen the bill. I don't know what the argument is, but right off the bat, my default position is. No, this should have been with the people and the states. It never should have been taken to the national level, and I would oppose that uh, right now. That being said, I do want to see people get on the record. <laughs> I do want to know because no one's asking them. No one's asking these report or no one's a- no reporters are asking these Democrats. Well, what week is an adequate cutoff? Is it up until birth? Nobody asks them that. Why? Why would you not ask them that? Because that is a radical position. And if one of our political parties, using the definition that the White House gave us, right, is extremist, that's what they defined as extremist, which is what? Is a party that holds a position that the majority of Americans don't hold. And that's what Democrats are espousing when they have no restrictions at all. So let's have a day. How about about we go with the European standard? How about that? You want to do that? We always look to Europe, right, for all of our guidance on policy and such. How about we look to Europe for those uh, for the cutoff period? Oh, no, no, we can't do that because in Europe it's like 14 weeks. Yeah, we are an outlier. We are one of the world's outliers in allowing abortion after uh, a certain amount of period, depending on the state you're in. So I'm I'm all for the discussion. And by the way, this is the same party, the Democrats that are now crying foul about how the Republicans are trying to do this at a national level. They are the same ones who said we should codify Roe v. Wade at the national level. So there's not a principled position they're making here. They're not they're not taking a position that's based on principle that we the, the federal government shouldn't be getting involved in this. I mean, they could try to make a hypocrisy argument against Lindsey Graham on it. But I suspect Graham knows what I know him being a senator and all, is that he doesn't have a majority of senators to get it passed, and he darn sure doesn't have members in the House to get it, and they darn sure don't have Biden to sign it into law. So what's the point of it? It's to put Democrats on the record. It's to force the issue. And here's another example we're going to get to see. Unfold in real time. Elections are about what media make them. And make no mistake, media has been trying to make this midterm election about abortion. Because Democrats are trying to make it about abortion because of the Dobbs case and because Democrats believe that the abortion uh, issue redounds to their benefit as long as they don't talk specifics, as long as they don't tell you what they're actually espousing, which is abortion until the point of birth. That's what they're espousing. So, well, I mean, they're not espousing that, but that's what they're they're uh, supporting. They don't want any restrictions. I'm opposed to This is why guys like Scott Huffman who ran uh, or is running against Dan Bishop for Congress, when I asked him, when do rights obtain for the fetus? When do, In other words, when does, when does that kid's right to life begin? Give me a week. 
Give me a cutoff. And he wouldn't do it. He just kept saying, I support you know, uh, women's health, women's reproductive health, which, again, spoiler alert, it's not reproduction. If it's an abortion, it's not reproduction. So I'm all for it. I would love to see it. Oh, and also the White House wants to, not kidding, is celebrating today's inflation news. Not so much on Wall Street, but the White House is. Oh, yeah. Celebration time, man. Party. Inflation figure just popped. And, uh, yeah, President Biden's super excited on his way off to England for the Queen's funeral. He's uh, taking like a two-week vacation at the same time. Uh, But before that, uh, they're going to have a bit of a soiree. They're going to celebrate over the Inflation Reduction Act doing exactly what it was intended to do. The tweet from President Biden, quote, exactly for... (laughs) No, he says, exactly four weeks ago, I signed the Inflation Reduction Act into law. So today we're celebrating. Tune in at 3 p.m. as I deliver remarks and welcome the leaders and advocates who made it happen to the people's house. Um, stocks are tumbling. <laughs> uh, apparently... Uh, the news is good enough to celebrate at the White House. Not so great for Wall Street. Have you looked at your Have you looked at your retirement accounts recently? It just don't. Unless, of course, you're like getting ready to retire. Then, yeah, that's bad. I looked at mine the other day, and uh, yeah, not good. Not, not good. Lost a bit, uh, more than like ten percent of the total value. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate that. Um, inflation. so it went up. Grocery prices are up. Real average hourly earnings are down about 3%. And uh, the best best response I have seen to this, hang on, i got to find it again. It was some uh, idiot on Twitter, because that's where uh, they go like moths to the flame. Well, I mean, to be fair, it's they're also on Facebook. But this is a person named... Just Kathleen. Oh, my gosh. A U.S. Air Force veteran. Independent thinker. Not a fan of politics. I believe of I believe separation of church and state. Just be kind. She's from Cabarrus County. And she says, food and energy are influenced by global commodity prices. The U.S. can't control international factors such as the war in Ukraine and higher shipping costs. It can't control domestic food prices. <laughs> Right, yeah. This is just something that's happening to us because of all of the the warring by Putin is all. It's the Putin price hike, everybody. So this is one of those clarifying questions that you could ask somebody like this is to say, hey, just Kathleen. um, I mean, that's her name on the Twitter machine. Do you think domestic spending and deficit spending causes inflation or if you really want to just get broad just say what causes inflation besides global commodity prices is there anything that the u.s government does that might contribute what are the causes of inflation what causes inflation food and energy are influenced by global commodity prices that is true and 
yeah, there were all these other factors at play. But you know what drives inflation? You know what really drives inflation? Inflating the currency. It's kind of like right there in the word. (laughs) It's right there. When you print a whole bunch of money, and this is a lesson that societies have learned, but then failed to learn from other societies that did it. When you rapidly inflate your currency, you devalue it. And this is what happens. I don't understand why this is. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not an economist. I'm not a financial expert. I understand this, right? When you, when you print so much money and it all goes out the door, it has to come back. So once it starts coming back, now what do you do? You got to buy it all up. How do you buy it all up? You do it with the interest rates, which then people don't want to borrow because the interest rates are too high. This is, you, you've devalued the currency. That's what inflation is, right? It's too few dollars chasing too, well, yeah, too many dollars chasing too few goods. Too many dollars chasing too few goods. Why you have too many dollars? Because you printed too many of them. If you and I go into a store and a product is on sale for 10 bucks and you have 10 and I come in and I just got my stimulus check and so or my inflated currency, now I have 20. And now you get your check and you're like, well, I want it. I'm going to pay 40. You're driving up all the prices and we have the money to spend on it because we got a whole bunch of extra money because it's all floating around. Oh, my goodness. This is not difficult. Talk 1110 wbt Alrighty, so the Charlotte-Mecklenburg Police Chief, Johnny Jennings, went before the Charlotte City Council and uh, gave an update on uh, the crime stats, but uh, there was also a couple of questions asked about a topic that uh, I uh, brought up, I guess it was yeah yesterday, and uh, because I heard about it first from uh, Mark Garrison, the news director here at WBT News, who is now in studio with me. Uh, so you, you've you now made appearances two days in a row. That's not compensated, by the way. Oh, I know. I will I not know. be paying you for these. Um, and so this is about the, the public information policy regarding how CMPD is going to interact with media. And yesterday I played your piece from Charlotte at 6. You can catch Mark's show at 6 p.m. here on WBT and on the podcast. And uh, you went over sort of the background. So I don't want to kind of hash through all of the background right. on that. But – City council members, three of them, or four of them, asked about this last night, about this policy change. Mm-hmm. Johnny Jennings seemed to chief seemed to indicate that the change in policy was simply uh, related to staffing. They don't have enough uh, officers there to sort of man the phones, and that they're not running a call center for media. So <laughs> you sa- you were summoned to CMPD headquarters. Yeah. To have this meeting a couple weeks ago, right, yep. with the public right. information officer, yep. where they laid out this new policy. Yep. So what did you think of what Chief Jennings said last night? Uh, I thought it was deceptive at best, uh, and, and that's being generous. Uh, I mean, they never have run a call center uh, in the public information office. We've known for several years now they don't answer the phone. And uh, if you leave a message, they don't return your call. The, the way that you contact them is through email if you have a question or a request. Now, I don't, 
I don't doubt some reporters still call, but they've been ignoring the calls for years. So they haven't been running a call center. That's just simply know, not true. Do we know if they're just not returning your call? Right? <laughs> or is that across the I understand I'm not the only one. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so, yeah. and you have had discussions with other media oh, absolutely. folks in yeah. town about this. Is there anybody that you're aware of that's okay with this policy change in the media world? Have you run across anybody? I have not. Now, some of the stations here in town have opted uh, to try and kiss up to the cops, and they've decided not to report on it. Uh, It's to Channel 9's credit that they went in depth on it last night. And look, here's the thing that I think people need to know. We're not whining because, oh, the cops are making our job harder. That's not it at all. The cops have drawn a curtain around the police department and have said, don't come looking here. We're not going to answer your questions. Uh, We are not even going to send you press releases anymore. You've got to go look for them on a city website. Uh, We're not going to update you on crime. Don't call down here asking for an update on a murder case, for example. We'll tell you if we want you to know. And I have been talking to police departments around the country that are like, slack-jawed and glassy-eyed when they hear they're doing what? Hmm. There's no transparency in that at all. So uh, they prefer, and from, I mean, I know this is kind of getting into the weeds a little bit, but this is sort of, you know, the peek behind the curtain of how this relationship works between media and cops, that cops, uh, cop shop used to be a beat. I used to do it. I would go down to the police department and I would sift through the overnight reports, the incident reports, looking for someone famous, Mm. looking for a a crazy event or a particularly heinous crime, something that's quote newsworthy. And, uh, police, I don't think they make those. They don't print the incident reports out any longer. Are you even able to go down and look them up? I don't think so. I think you have to have the case numbers now. If you have the case number, you can uh, send a request. And they turn those around pretty fast. But here's the thing. Police reports are often extremely vague. Right. Party one says party two did this and that. You really need more information, generally speaking. So when they put out on their website, and this is what they uh, said last night and what they conveyed to you, we want to put it up on a website. We'll we'll post a a story, essentially, uh, on the website about what this information about a particular crime or event, whatever, and we're going to post it up there. You need to go there. Now, they're not going to tell you that they posted something up there, as That's I understand right. it. That's I guess right. you could set up an alert on Google to flag any kind of new post. Um, that might seem easier or harder, depending on yeah. what used to be the case, was they would send out a blast email to, to all a, the media. To all the media. <clears throat> yeah. But that requires list maintenance. We were talking about this earlier in the newsroom. And the list maintenance side of things... That probably is a bit cumbersome for them to have to deal with people coming in and going out and I'm new to the, you know, new to the area and all this other stuff. So, well, you you know, if you look back years ago and I've been here an awfully long time, used to be at night if something was going on, you could call the duty captain who was on duty uh, and he would tell you, well, here's what's going on. They cut that out a long time ago. I think the real problem here is what CMS is doing is essentially setting up a ministry of propaganda. And I don't say that lightly, but when you're called into a meeting as a reporter and told, look, unless we deem your story to be positive, we will not provide interviews. We're not obligated to answer your questions. And as I discovered, even when I tried to do a positive story, they shut the door on it. So it's 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 troubling. Yeah. Um, (sighs) Do you hear that? I just heard something in the. Yeah. Um, So the. 
All right, so the and I just say that because I'm always curious about the open channels coming through. <laughs> I never know what's coming down the line. Um, so I, I, I am curious. So is it possible that um, that there's that that we're misreading this somehow? Is there is there a benefit of the doubt that we can give CMPD versus <laughs> what you call the Ministry of Propaganda? Uh, if so, what would that be? You know, that's a really good question, and I'm not anti-cop, and I've thought a lot about that. I mean, all of the genesis of all of this, from what I understand from sources, is Johnny Jennings gave a directive which said, we want to tell our own story and not be dependent upon the media. Sure. So the Public Information Office took that apparently to mean, okay, we're going to produce these um, videos that feature police or talk about crime prevention, and we're going to cut way back on dealing with the media. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's what the chief originally intended, whether this has gone farther than he wanted it to go. Um, I, I just don't know. Yeah. There's an old saying. <clears throat> yes. Never go to war with someone who buys ink by the barrel. <laughs> you know what that's about. Yes, I do. And yeah. I just don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a message about picking fights with, in the old days, newspapers. Right. Um. And I'll never forget, there was a guy named Bill Garant. Do you, know, do you remember? Oh, yeah, William? he used to run uh, public affairs for the city. Right. Yeah. He was the public information officer when the U.S. air flight crashed with the wind shear yep. and oh, yeah. crashed in the neighborhood. This was back in the 90s. And uh, one of the things I saw him do a talk about, one of the things he did was he drew an X on the ground where all the media had assembled. And he said, what time do you want me to be here? I will be here every single day at this time. And so the, all the media was like, because he had people coming in from all over the country. Oh, yeah. And they were like, we, we need to have, you know, our reports ready at like three o'clock, whatever. So he said, okay, three o'clock, I'll be here. I'll answer every question. And every single day he was out there because he said, you got to feed the beast. And if you don't, you, you end, they end up going like dressing up as, new, as uh, uh, pizza delivery people, <laughs> trying to get to the houses and exactly, stuff. Exactly, exactly. And that's, in, but the most important part of that was that the national reporters took their cues on the relationship from the local reporters that they had with the local officials. Mm-hmm. And if it was adversarial, the national people picked up on that and then yep. it was gloves off. That's right. That's exactly right. And look, there's always, I've been doing this for many, many years, there's always a little bit of an adversarial relationship sure. between police and media. But generally speaking, uh, reporters work hard to curry good relationship with the cops because. I mean, they're a part of so many stories that you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the problem here is, uh, as the Fraternal Order of Police told me yesterday, the problem with this is it looks bad. It, in a time when transparency is the magic word when it comes to cops, this appears to be shutting the door on transparency. Maybe if they had somebody that had some expertise in media relations that they mm. could rely There's a thought. Anyway. Yeah. All right, Mark Garrison, thanks so much for your time. Thanks yes, for the sir. update, buddy. I appreciate oh, yeah. it. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. You can also email Pete at thepetecalendarshow.com. That's where I got this message from Tim. said, Pete, regarding asking somebody for numbers on a particular subject, whether it's teacher pay, abortion restrictions after a certain week, what, what week, right? budgets, welfare, et cetera, et cetera, many on the political left have a problem. 
problem is math is so hard. That's the. I think. <laughs> I think it was Voltaire who once said, "Common sense is not so common." No, that's. What I, I try to find in discussions. I try to find clarifying questions to drive to the root of the disagreement. What are we actually debating, right? And that's what I think Lindsey Graham's proposal is actually about. Because right now, all of the coverage, because the media is carrying the water for the Democrats and media tend to be of the left and they tend to agree with Democrats on abortion policy and they tend to believe that the Democrats benefit from the abortion issue being front and center for the midterm election. Dem- Look, don't, don't take my word for it. Just sign up for a single Democrat Party candidate email list, and you will get emails from every single Democrat on the face of the planet running for office. And they all say the same thing. Every single message is about abortion. Every single one of them. And Kamala Harris, just in an interview this weekend with Chuck Todd, Right? She talked about codifying Roe v. Wade. So Lindsey Graham says, all right, well, you know what? Let's let's put this up. And I think it's actually a 15-week um, or, tw- yeah, 15 or 20-week. I apologize. I just saw it uh, move just before I got on the air. And so I did not uh, – I, I didn't pull the story for show prep purposes. I just kind of riffed on it as I saw it. But you want to get these people on the record. If you're talking about a national rule on abortion, then let's have a discussion about what the national rule that you think should exist, because they won't say right now. All right, let me, I'll go over here. Steve has been waiting a very, very long time. Hello, Stephen. Welcome to the program. Hello, Stephen. Oh, my gosh. He waited all that time. He waited like almost 45 minutes. And then failure to launch. Oh, well. Too bad, Stephen. Godspeed to you, Stephen. Godspeed. Um, let me see here. We've got I got a story here from The Guardian, which the UK Guardian describes Senator Lindsey Graham as a hardline South Carolina Republican. Okay. Lindsey Graham. He alternates between hardline and rhino and MAGA and anti-MAGA, anti-Trumper or total Trumpkin or whatever. Like he's all, yeah, just whatever you need him to be at any moment. He's proposing, here it is, legislation for a nationwide 15-week abortion ban, a politically risky strategy as a backlash grows to the, see, that's all framing. This is all framing by the reporter. By submitting this as a a politically risky strategy. Says who? Says you? But he he describes it as that, as if this is not in, uh, up for debate. He asserts it as truth. This is what I mean by the framing of the story. This is the advancing of a narrative in the hopes that it calcifies, that it hardens, and it becomes the truth, right? When the legend becomes truth, print the legend, right? And then as the backlash grows to the Supreme Court ruling, why? Why do they say the backlash is growing? Well, polling shows 57% of Americans disapproved of the court's reversal of Roe v. Wade, guaranteeing access to abortion. 62% say the procedure should be legal in all or most cases. Okay, well then, let's have the discussion. What what is the one-third, where does the one-third say we shouldn't in any case? Or is there like a sliding scale going on there? Or, it says in all or most cases. What are most cases? 
up until what point? This is what I mean. Giving a number, setting a number, it's not going to pass. The law is, the, the bill doesn't pass. But setting the number clarifies the debate. Where do you stand? Make your assertion. What is it that you are stating? What is your premise? What's your position? And now we can discuss that position. But when you talk in this overarching, you know, women's reproductive health care, and you don't ever define what it is you're talking about, I mean, that's by design. Because when you define, you divide. This is the benefit of a, like a blank slate candidate. You know, they just don't run on anything definitive. So this way they can keep a larger coalition intact. So that's what's been going on here.